Well, good morning, Kingsway. Uh, it was, uh, it's, it's so cool thing to be a part of. I hate to do what I have to do next. <laughs> no. Anybody who spends uh, any amount of time with me finds out pretty quick that I'm not an overly serious person. Uh, I think it's something that I've inherited from my dad. Uh, just a quick story on him. I, uh, whenever I was in fourth grade, my dad came to chaperone one of our field trips. And in my fourth grade class, it was just part of our morning tradition that we would always say the Pledge of Allegiance, and then we would sing the national anthem. And so as our class is wrapping up, and the home of the brave, and my dad is standing in the back of the classroom, he kind of looks around, he goes, play ball! <laughs> And my class all cracked up. They thought that my dad was the coolest. And my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Bakovitz, was staring daggers into my dad's head. So I picked a little bit of that up. Uh, I have to give a heads up to new friends and acquaintances whenever I meet them that if they ask me something, frequently the first response I give is not going to be serious. I will try and make some kind of joke. It may or may not be funny. It's really a coin flip. But then I'll tell you what it is that I actually think. Now, I've had to, you know, I've, I've, I've worked on this. I, I, I know when to be serious. I, I know that if you came up and, and wanted to talk to me, you know, after the message this morning, I would not give you some goofy comment unless you started it. <laughs> but... My philosophy is, that, or my, just kind of the way I see life, is that life brings enough serious my way that, you know, I, without me really having to help, that I might as well just, you know, bring a few of the smiles. But because of this, I have found that it is sometimes hard for me to get serious when the moment says it is time to get serious. Uh, and what I mean by that is that, you know, in my position as a pastor, I'll have people come and, and talk to me and they'll be, you know, they'll be sharing about difficult things that are going on in their, in their lives or their, you know, these emotional moments. And I have to kind of do this mental reminder for myself. It's, Todd, they don't want you to try to make them laugh. And you're all looking at me going, I'm never going to talk to Todd ever. And that's, that's probably fair. Um, no, but what I'm saying, I've, I've developed a filter on this, but I do have to remind myself that sometimes it's time to get serious. So why do I bring this up this morning? Well, like Rhett said, we are now in our fourth week of this series, Things I Wish Jesus Never Said. And we've been talking about some of the tough sayings of Jesus, some of the things that he said that push us out of our comfort zone, things that, that stretch us, but ultimately things that if we listen to it and if we receive it and if we change our lives because of it, we will become more like him, which is what he's drawing all of us to be. And so today we're talking about something, a subject that a lot of us sometimes have a hard time getting serious about, sin. Now, sin is a, uh, it, it, it's a word that has, has lost a little bit of its weight in our society. And I'm not saying that sin is necessarily a laughing matter to us, but I think we're going to read and hear what Jesus says that we don't really take it as serious as we should. Like I said, it's, it's a word that has lost a little bit of its weight in our society. It's important for us to understand what the word sin really means. You know, uh, it, it's become a little bit of a joke in popular culture. It, it, you'll watch a TV show and one of the characters will do something you know, wrong and, and another character will look at them and say, oh, you sinner. 
you know, but they don't really disapprove of the behavior. Or, or we kind of look at people who talk about sin as they, like they're caricatures, like they're not really real people. Like the only person who would talk about sin would be the person who's standing on the street corner yelling at people, you're a sinner and you're gonna burn. Sorry if I pointed at anybody there. Um, and I actually had that happen to a friend of mine in college. He was actually my Bible study leader and he was walking through campus and there was one of these guys who was standing on the corner and he points at him and he goes, you! My friend goes, who, me? He says, yes, you! You're a sinner and you're going to hell. My Bible study leader was like, actually, no, me and Jesus, we're good. Thanks. Um, <clears throat> But it's because of things like this that the word sin, the meaning of the word sin has gotten lost to us a little bit. Theologian Wayne Grudem, he defines sin as any failure to conform to the moral law of God in act, attitude, or nature. The first thing that you need to know for this morning is that we here at Kingsway, we believe that God is the standard, that he is the creator of the universe, that he is right and good in all that he is, all that he does, and that he is the standard for all being and all doing in the universe. Now I know that standing in a room with this number of people, there's probably someone sitting in here who doesn't agree with me on that point. And I just want you to know if that's you, I love you. I would love to get together with you sometime and talk about why we believe that God is perfect and God is the standard. But this morning you need to know that that's the base that we're starting from, that God is right, that God is good in all that he does, and that God created us to be like him. So sin then is any time that we fail to do that. Sin includes acts, things that we do that we shouldn't do, or things that we don't do that we should do. You know, things like murder and stealing and adultery. Those are three biggies, things that you can do, things that Christians and non-Christians alike would agree that those are not okay things to do. But it also includes things that you should do when you don't. You know, that includes things like refusing to be generous or refusing to forgive, one that we talked about a couple weeks ago. But it's not just acts, sin also includes attitude. It means thinking and feeling things that you shouldn't think and feel. This would be stuff like lust and greed, jealousy, laziness, things that would fall into this category of sin. But finally, the last one is that you can actually be a sinner at your very nature. What this means is that before you become a follower of Jesus, by your nature, you are a sinner. Even if you aren't doing wrong things or even if you aren't thinking wrong things, you are a sinner by fact that you haven't submitted to God in your life. A little side note on this, whenever someone asks, well, what about people who don't follow God, but you know, they're, they're good people? Well, you could be living like a saint, but if you are rejecting God in your very nature, then you are a sinner. You're in opposition to who God is. And that's why sin is so serious. Sin is serious because it is in opposition to God's very nature. 
which is right and good in every way. Sin is serious because sin is what separates us from God. Sin is what keeps us separated from God. God created us, he loves us, he wants a relationship with us, but sin is the thing that gets in the way of that. Sin is what keeps us from having a relationship with God. Sin is what keeps us separated because he's perfect. And because he's perfect, he can't be in relationship with something that is imperfect. That's why Jesus died on a cross. When Jesus died, he gave his perfection to us so that we could have that relationship with God again. But sin gets in the way of that. And if you can't be with God, then you are without him. And if you stay without him, then you end up without him for eternity. Hell is not one of our favorite topics, but it's one that Jesus mentions a couple of times in our passage today, so we have to talk about it. Whenever by your nature you are opposed to God because of your acts, because of your attitude, because of your nature, you cannot be with him which means that you're going to spend eternity someplace apart from him. And that's not a good place to be. It's a place that Jesus died to keep us from. Which brings us to our passage today. And some of you are thinking, gee whiz, I feel like I have already heard something that I wish Jesus never said. We haven't even read the scripture yet. Anyway, our passage for today is actually something that Jesus said almost identically in Matthew 5 and in Matthew 18. See, it was something that was so important that Matthew recorded Jesus saying it twice. It it might be something you say, man, this is something I wish Jesus never said, but you're going to hear this and it's like he thought it was such a big deal that it bared repeating. We're going to read it out of Matthew chapter 18 verses 8 and 9. So if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand or one foot than to be thrown into eternal fire with both your hands and feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. All right. A couple of weeks ago, I used a visual where I I pruned a branch to talk about the good pruning that God does in our lives. And I thought this week maybe I would bring back my pruners, except this time I would bring a tourniquet and ask for a volunteer. (laughs) Yes, here I'm going. Uh, Jesus uses some pretty strong language here. He says, if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut them off. If your eye causes you to sin, pull it out. It's better to go through life without those things than it would be to go into eternity apart from God. Jesus is using this strong language here. We believe that Jesus was speaking in hyperbole. It means that he was using an exaggeration to make a strong point. And the reason we believe this, that we didn't think that he was actually saying we need to go start, you know, lopping off body parts, is because sin isn't just something that happens in your actions, it's something that also happens in your mind and in your heart. And we know that you can't go and just cut out your brain or cut out your heart and still be a very effective follower of Jesus. You wouldn't be sinning anymore, but you wouldn't really be doing anything else either. 
What Jesus is teaching in this passage is that he's not just serious about sin, he's serious about us removing it from our lives. And we should be too. We are to take radical steps to eliminate our sin. We are to go further than we thought we may ever have to go to get rid of it. And you might ask, now why would this be included in things I wish Jesus never said? You know, I agree that sin is bad. I agree that sin is something that separates us from God. I believe that it's, it's, it's damaging to people. I believe that we're supposed to take measures to get sin out of our lives. Why is this something we wish Jesus never said? I want you to really think about this for a second. I want you to flesh out what Jesus is saying here. I mean, he says, be willing to cut off a hand, a foot, an eye. I mean, your hand, your foot, your eye, those aren't things that just cause you to sin. They're actually pretty useful in a lot of other situations as well. Your, your eyes, your hand, your feet, it's not something that just causes you to sin. It's something that is pretty important to you. It makes your life better in a lot of ways. He's saying that to do this means to voluntarily get rid of something, knowing that your life will be more difficult without it. To do this, to do what Jesus is saying, he's saying that we have to be willing to get rid of things in a way that might be extraordinarily painful. It might be the kind of thing that leaves people kind of looking and pointing and staring and saying, that's a lot different. Is this really something we are super glad Jesus said? The truth is, most of us don't want to make these kind of cuts, even if we understand the seriousness of our sin. These kind of cuts aren't just, you know, praying to God and asking for our sin to go away. These kind of cuts can be painful. These kind of cuts are gonna leave us without something that was once enjoyable to us or useful to us. Our life is gonna be harder when we make these kind of cuts. And there are actually a lot of reasons why we don't want to make these kind of radical cuts to remove sin from our lives. One of the reasons we don't is that we don't like the idea of cutting out something that makes our life better or cutting out something that, you know, life gets harder if we move on without it. I'm gonna give some examples this morning and some of you are gonna look at me and say, Todd, now you're meddling. You went from preaching to meddling and I don't like it. And you need to know that I know that's coming and I'm okay with it. Some of us don't wanna cut things out like our media exposure. We don't wanna filter the movies or the TV shows we watch, the books we read, the music we listen to, the games we play. We don't wanna filter on the technology that we use or when or how we use it. A smartphone? This is an incredibly useful tool. I'm able to be very productive because of this. You know, I can answer emails on the run. I'm able to stay connected with people because of this. But if this, if having unfiltered, unaccountable access to everything that's available on this is causing you to sin, cut it off. 
Go back to a flip phone. Start playing Snake. <laughs> Yo, I know you miss Snake. <laughs> but it's so, it's so useful. It's so productive. It helps me in so many more ways than it hurts me. Yeah, so does your eye. And Jesus says, if it's causing you to sin, get rid of it. My social media accounts, you know, I'm able to stay connected with people. I'm able to stay up to date on what's going on in the world. But if there's something that's causing you to sin, cut them out. It doesn't matter how funny the movie is. It doesn't matter how many people are talking about the TV show. If it's something that is leading you into sin, cut it off. Take sin seriously. Some of us, some of us don't want to radically cut things out of our lives, get this serious about sin, and we kind of hide behind the excuse that we have freedom in Christ. Rhett did a really good job last week talking about freedom in Christ and talking about how all of our walks with God are gonna look a little bit different because different people are, are caused to stumble into sin in different ways. But Rhett and I were talking last week about the message and there's a flip side of the coin that he didn't really get a chance to touch on. And that's that sometimes Christians hide behind the idea of this Christian freedom because they don't wanna deal with things that are actually causing them to sin. Paul in Romans 6, 17 and 18 writes this. He says, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. Freedom in Christ means that we're free from sin and we're free to do what is right. We're free to live up to God's standard which is something we weren't able to do when we were in our nature sinners. But some of us, we sit here and we say, well, I've got freedom in Christ, so I don't have to be strapped down to the rules and the cans and can't do things. But if your freedom in Christ looks an awful lot like slavery to sin, well, then you're not free. Jesus died so that we wouldn't be slaves to this stuff anymore. He died to set us free to this and our Christian freedom shouldn't be something that leads us into doing things and being something that we're not supposed to be anymore. Some of us, some of us don't wanna get serious about sin because we don't wanna make the connection between this thing that we have going over here and the sin problem that we have in our life over here. You know, we sort of wanna bury our head in the sand and just say, nope, no, this thing is fine. It's not connected to this problem that I've got over here. It's interesting because in the, in the scripture that we read this morning, the word that Jesus uses in the original language for cause, something that causes you to sin is a word that could be translated something that leads you into a trap. Now, here's the thing about traps. They're typically not things you see coming. They're typically pretty well disguised. If you were walking down a path and you saw a trap out ahead of you, it would pretty much be the worst trap ever. It'd be very easy to avoid. But traps are something that you don't always see the connection between the two things. The only way you could see a trap coming if you don't know it's coming is to be extra aware, 
to be extra vigilant, to be on the lookout for a trap, even if you don't know if it's there. The other way that you know a trap is coming is if it's one that you have stepped in before. If it's a trap that you have stepped in, you've gone from this place to this place, then you've got to know that it's coming. This means for a lot of us, we've got to stop saying it's just. I mean, it's just staying up late. But if staying up late seems to be a time when you are consistently falling into sin, maybe especially on the internet, then it's not just staying up late, it's a trap. And it doesn't matter how productive you are late into the evening hours. It doesn't matter. I've got little kids. I understand that it's nice once you put them down just to have some time to yourself. But it doesn't matter. If it's something that is leading you into sin, cut it off. It doesn't matter how helpful it is for you. So is your hand. Cut it off and go to bed. You know, it's, it's just a movie. It's just a TV show. It's just a romance novel. But if it's something that is leading you into lust, into devaluing your spouse, cut it off. It doesn't matter how many people at work are talking about the movie. It doesn't matter how many people have told you it's a great book. Cut it out. Well, you know, it's, it's just one drink. Except for if you've shown a pattern that one drink always turns into more and you seem to end up drunk more often than not. Jesus doesn't say cut back. He doesn't say, well, get back to that one. He says, if the one is causing you to sin, cut off the one. It's just window shopping. You know, it's just browsing. I'm just looking to see what's out there. But if you consistently find yourself as someone who is not content with what you have, someone who is jealous of others, someone who is, who is wanting and, and, and not settled with the things that you have in your life, then it's causing you to sin and you need to cut it off. We need to take sin seriously. And you know, some of us, some of us don't wanna get serious about sin like this. We don't want to cut things out because we know that it will be painful. There might be lasting repercussions because of the things that you have to do, the necessary things you have to do to get rid of this sin in your life. If you're somebody who already has an idea of what this thing might be for you, you probably have already realized this. You probably are already saying, I wish it was something that I could just pray about and it would just go away. And I want you to hear this Kingsway. Prayer is incredibly powerful. But prayer is something that is going to be doing a work in your heart to prepare you for action. And that action might be painful. It might mean having to have a conversation with somebody about your sin. And this conversation with that person because they were unaware of your sin might crush them. Might mean that you spend a lot of time cleaning up the mess that your sin has made. But what Jesus says, it is better to be injured here and now and be rid of your sin than to hold on to it 
and stay in rejection of God. You know, for you, it might be a relationship. Maybe you've got a friendship and they've been a dear friend to you for a long time, but every conversation, or more often than not, those conversations go to a place of gossip. They go to a place of of degrading other people and talking negatively about them. And no matter how close of a friend that might be, you might need to cut that relationship off if it's leading you into sin. Or maybe you've got a group of work friends who always likes to go out, but when they go out, they always end up drunk. And when you go out with them, you end up there too. And so maybe, even if it hurts, even if it's something that you like, something that you enjoy, you might have to get rid of it. Maybe you're in a relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend and you know that that relationship is not emotionally or physically honoring God and you have got to get rid of it. And these things hurt. These are the kind of things that make the world look at us and go, that's different, that's weird, what's up with that? Jesus says that we need to be willing to do something radical to remove sin from our lives, to remove even the things that might lead to sin from our lives because it's better to go through this life without any of those things than to go into the next one without him. If you're struggling with this idea of of making drastic cuts, let let me encourage you, remind you that Being a follower of Jesus always meant turning your back on the world. When you said, I want to be a follower of Jesus, what you were saying is, I'm willing to give the world up to follow him because he loves me. The world doesn't love me. Because he died for me. The world doesn't care what happens to me because he wants what's best for me, because he has eternity in heaven waiting for me. Because he died on a cross so that I wouldn't be slaves to these things anymore. No one wants to give up things that they like, things that they enjoy. But don't hesitate to give up something you like for the sake of a God you love. You see, if you refuse to take sin seriously, if you refuse to take steps, big steps, to get the things out of your life that are causing you to sin, what you're doing is you're showing where your heart really is. You might say with your mouth that you love Jesus, but what you're showing with your life is that you're really attached to the world. You might like the things that Jesus has to offer you. You might might love what Jesus could do for you. You love the idea of your sins being forgiven. You, You love the idea of going to heaven whenever you die. But if you aren't willing to at least try to take big steps to get sin out of your life, you don't really love him. I know, I know that this is coming out harsh. And, and Kingsway, hear me in this. We are, we are saved by a grace-filled God. This is not something that we're expected to have all figured out on day one. He loves us. He knows that he's gonna continue working through us to refine us, to get sin out of our lives. This isn't, this isn't supposed to be something coming at you, but I'm, 
I'm speaking of this from a guy who has had to take radical steps to get sin out of his life. I've had to have that conversation with a person near and dear to me telling them about my sin and it crushed them. I promise you I'd have rather cut off my foot. I've had to make changes in the things that I consume, in the, in the things that I allow myself to watch. You know, I'll give you an example, and please don't take this as me judging you if this is something that you have watched or do watch, but I'm, I'm talking about my struggles right now. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a, a fantasy geek. I, I, I'm rereading Lord of the Rings right now, if that tells you anything, and um, the human fleshly part of me really wants to watch Game of Thrones, if, if you don't know about it, it's a, it's a TV show, high fantasy, you know, swords and sorcery kind of thing. And, and there's this human part of me that really wants to see it. I've read the reviews. I know about the violence. I know about the sex. And not watching it, I, I, I can't let something like that come into my brain. Not doing it, man, that is, that is an infinitely small thing to give up to keep even the possibility of sin out of my life. Jesus paid much too high a price to get sin out of my life. I ain't wasting it on Game of Thrones. Guys, I'm not the judge, so I cannot tell anybody in this room precisely what does and doesn't need to be cut out of your life. But what I can tell you is that there is a battle to be waged against sin in your life, and we win battles by fighting hard, not by taking little half measures. As a lot of us, we naturally start asking the question, well, you know, what's the line? You know, how, how far can a relationship go before it's become too toxic that I need to cut it out? You know, how bad does a, a, a TV show have to be? Or how, you know, when does my, my browsing, when does that become coveting so that I know I need to cut it off? When, when do I know that the thing over here is the trap that's leading me into my sin over here? Romans 12 tells us not to be conformed to the pattern of our world anymore. In other words, if you don't want to look like the rest of the world looks, don't do the things that the rest of the world is doing. Instead, be transformed by changing the way you think. It means we have thoughts differently. We put different stuff in so that different stuff comes out. I can't tell you for every person exactly what the line would be because it's gonna be different for everyone. Different people are gonna struggle with different things. But I can tell you exactly what you need more of. It's found in Philippians chapter four, verse eight. And this has become a verse that's very important to me. It says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I taught a seven-week series to our high schoolers about this verse a couple of years back, so I've only got about three and a half hours more material for this morning. <laughs> Kidding. I can't tell everybody exactly what the line's gonna be, but I can tell you that if it's not on this list, you're not gonna miss it as bad as you think you will. 
I can't tell you exactly what the line is of what you need to cut out or what, to, what can stay, but I can tell you that the more of this you fill yourself with, the less room you're gonna have for other stuff. Focus on what's true. Focus on stories and experiences that tell the truth of who God is and the truth of who he created you to be. You know, focus on what's honorable and what's pure, not on what's debased, not on what the lowest common denominator finds funny. Think about things that are excellent, not things that lead you into bitterness or things that lead you into anger or things that lead you into laziness or things that lead you into greed. And you know, as, as you're processing this, as you're figuring out maybe what might need to radically change in your life, please don't forget about your brothers and sisters in Christ. What needs to be cut is gonna be different for everybody, so we don't need to be quick to judge what someone else is or isn't doing. But at the same time, if you can see a trap ahead of your brother or sister that they can't see, we gotta tell them about it. We gotta let them know. And in the Christian freedom that you've been given, please don't do things that would lead others into things that will make them sin. Care about your brothers and sisters more than you care about your Christian freedom. 1 John 3.16 says, there is no greater love than this. That, that We know what love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. To, if I were to translate that into Matthew 18, it would be be willing to cut off your own hand, be willing to gouge out your own eye if it means keeping your brother or sister from stumbling, even if it's something that doesn't cause you to stumble. What this means for us is that whenever we're around somebody who has different struggles than us, we talk differently. We eat differently if that's their struggle. We drink differently we watch different things, we dress differently. And we do it because we love them more than we care about our own freedom. You know, for some of you, for some of you this is probably something that hits right at home. You know exactly what it is that you're wrestling with, what it is that you need to, to deal with. It's time to start working. For others of you, maybe there isn't something that comes right to mind. Maybe there isn't some just glaring sin issue or something where you can make an obvious connection to something that needs cut out of your life. My encouragement would be don't dismiss this or, or leave it alone. Pray about it. Pray and ask God to open your eyes to any traps that you're not seeing. Open your eyes to any blind spots you might have of places of sin in your life where you need to get radical, need to get serious about getting rid of them. Because this is a radical thing that Jesus has called us to. He's called us to take big, radical, unexpected, never thought I would have had to go there steps to get rid of the sin in our life because it's better to go through it without any of that stuff than to go into the next life without him. Jesus paid much too high of a cost for us to live in slavery to the things that he died for. We're gonna take a few minutes to remember that. We're gonna take this time of communion and as we do and as our, our servers start to move, during this time I want you 
to fix your eyes on the cross. I want you to remember that Jesus, when you take that piece of bread, I want you to remember the body that was whipped and lashed and nailed to a piece of wood. When you take that cup, I want you to remember the blood that poured from the thorn stuck into his head, from the nail stuck into his hands. He did it for us. He did it for our sin. And don't, don't just do this on Sunday mornings. When your mind starts to go to lust, go to those nail-pierced hands instead. When your mind starts to go to a place of jealousy, think about the heaviness of his breaths as he slowly suffocated to death. He did it because he loves us. He did it for our sin. He did it to free us. We don't need to walk in it anymore. Would you pray with me? Father God, Lord, I thank you for grace. I thank you that you have grace for sinners like us, sinners like me, people who still every day try to walk with you a little bit more closely, try to get rid of the things that keep us from growing in our walks with you. Lord, I pray that it's something we would be serious about. Lord, I pray for those who are in the midst of struggles right now, Lord, that they would cling to what you did for them on the cross, that you died for their sins, Lord. You don't want them walking in it anymore. Lord, that we would be different from the world, that we wouldn't feel like we have to have everything that everybody else has, that we would recognize that sometimes it's gonna hurt, sometimes it's gonna mean getting rid of good things so that we can have the better thing that is you. We thank you for the cross, Lord Jesus. We thank you for dying for our sins. It is in your name that we pray, amen.